We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. And welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. I am Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. In today's show, Elliot Paul and a special guest will be discussing the 2-1 defeat at home to Watford in the FA Cup. I don't know where to start with this really because, um, yeah, ever since the match, I've pretty much switched off. I haven't written a review on the game, haven't read a single article on the match. I've stayed away from Twitter because it's all not very enjoyable, to be honest. I don't like this side of, of being an Arsenal fan. I don't like the whole fans against the club thing. I don't like booing. I don't like banners. I don't like all the negativity, really. Don't get me wrong. I can understand why, because I'm I'm really down at the moment about the Arsenal. So, obviously, there's a lot of unrest. We should be doing a lot better than we are, and we're not. So, there's lots of questions and stuff but I don't enjoy it I really don't enjoy it and it's just I'm a bit miserable so apologies for being so miserable but just a few points on the game uh, not just the game but a few games what, what is it with our finishing what is it with creating chances and not taking them it's such an Arsenal thing isn't it you think about the Southampton match and Swansea and now Watford match in recent weeks but just, it doesn't feel like a recent thing it just feels like this feels like something's been happening for a long time now. We just have a team of good footballers who, you know, very skillful, very talented, great at playing football, really. But when it comes to finishing, we just seem so, like, I don't know what the word is, just all over the place. We just snatch at shots and it just doesn't seem very natural to us. You know, even in days gone by with, like, Sam Nazri and Fabregas and so on, it just... Just like we have those games where we have all the ball and teams sit back and we just miss chances. It can't be like that all the time because obviously we do score goals and at the end of each season we can see it in the stats. Arsenal score goals, but it just seems we should be scoring more. Is it just us? Does this happen to other teams as well? But I'm not aware of it because I'm not following them. But again, again against Watford, we didn't play badly. It wasn't a bad team performance, you know. We passed the ball quite well. Looked much more balanced in midfield with Mohamed Elneny, who I thought did really well. He dropped deep to receive the ball and used it really well. And we attacked on the flanks by from our full-backs pretty well as well. And we, we, we looked decent. I mean, we played a lot worse in one games. For example, at Newcastle game at home, which was awful, which we won. But we were much better against Watford. Yeah, we weren't at our best, 
but we were still far better than Watford. But you can't win games if you don't score goals. I don't even want to go onto defensive errors because it's not even it's not even the issue. You know, if you score goals, a mistake here or there, it doesn't cost you. Danny Welbeck, an open goal, and but it just seems like it's such an Arsenal thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know really. I'm just down about the whole the whole thing at the moment. I just hope our luck changes, or it's not even luck. I just hope our finishing changes and our performance changes and mentality changes and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm gonna stop crying. Well, on the microphone anyway, and hand you over. Enjoy the podcast and back after Barcelona, which will be lots of fun, I'm sure. Arsenal now focus entirely on league, a shrewd and cunning move that is entirely designed to make sure we stay in the top four. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I am joined, as always, by Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Posing in My Pants. Hello, Paul. Hello. And all the way from England, thanks to some very late notice, uh, we are joined by Julian from Gingers for Limpar. And Julian, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Seems everybody else has taken a random trip to Barcelona this week. I don't, I don't know, know what they're going there for. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't invited. I'm not cool enough. And um, yeah, I don't think there's anything really to talk about there. Barcelona. I don't know. They have some nice ice creams on the on the main straight, um, and I suppose that's it, really. Yeah, they got Las Ramblas, Gaudi Architecture, Tapas. I mean, there's lots of reasons to go. Yeah. I can't think of any other, but that's about it. Um, okay, let's jump into it. And uh, Julian, uh, because of the late notice, only has so much time with us. So I want to start with sort of the larger issue um, as it relates to the Cup. We were obviously dumped out of the Cup by Watford at home at the weekend. Do you feel that the cup should have been our top priority given the other circumstances and that the manager's selection reflected prioritizing the cup? Not really. Um, I, I think, I think he, he knows that we should be capable of, of winning, uh, or of competing at least on two fronts. We're not competing on three fronts, fronts, let alone four, you know, we, we went out of the league cup months and months and months ago. Um, it's you know it, it shouldn't be beyond us to. I mean, remember we used to really panic about fixture parlots when we were really up there. You know, when we were trying to hold off Man United in the league, win another FA Cup, we genuinely had a chance of doing well in Europe, and you'd have these games crammed together. Like this, this was you know this this was just a, a Watford game. You know, kind of on it. So I mean, okay, you've got games either side, but there has not been a huge amount of pressure on 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 this squad and, and we've got an international break coming up as well I think he he actually picked I went on uh, another uh, Arsenal podcast about a week ago and, and got boom. my yeah I will <laughs> notice I haven't I haven't named it but um, <laughs> uh, but a very a very famous one um, and, and I got the, the team selection completely wrong Um for for Watford, I didn't think as it would start, so that's the main thing, and then everything kind of stems from that. Really, I thought he'd stick with that like four three three that that he'd uh, played in, in in some previous rounds with the Wobi coming in and uh, sort of bit a bit more of a bolt up midfield. Um, but instead, Wobi was on the bench and Özil played and, and Sanchez etc etc. It was it was uh, it was a strong lineup. Um, and it's it's he he put out a team to win the game. I know that's a, a little bit of a managerial cliche, but he really really did. That's a okay checks out, which we can't help. Um, but uh, apart from that, uh, it was it was an extremely strong side. A little bit of rotation. Obviously, Gibbs has come in recently uh, for Monreal. That for me, that's not weakening your your side significantly. I know lots of people disagree with that. But um, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Chambers had a poor game, sure, and, and Bellerin was rotated. Uh, but that aside, it's 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 a strong team, and it's it's one that should be uh, more than than capable of winning that game. Would you say that maybe the one position, the one area where you could argue that the now first choice player who wasn't picked is is Welbeck instead mm-hmm. of Giroud? 
Yeah, no, you can. Of course, Welbeck's form has been has been very good, but again, I mean, Giroud is nearly permanently in in Wenger's first eleven, if such a thing could exist. Um, and uh, and it, having said that, it, it just doesn't really exist in in the modern era, and it's it's this continues to be. It's a point I'd bang on and on about one of the manager's biggest failings is is not being able to adapt to a game where you don't just have your first 11 for months and months okay some teams do and that they they manage to balance that somehow but really uh, to, to stay at the top doing that is is very difficult and you have to make little changes like switching forwards around playing one for an hour bringing another one on um so it's just a lack of click in the team, the lack of balance, the, the lack of, I mean, Christ, Sanchez and Giroud, I mean, it was it was almost funny watching them um, the other night. And yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose to sort of answer your question, it was... Uh, no need, really. You can point to a couple of positions and say maybe we should have we should have played more informed players or, or, or stronger players. But uh, really, that's a, 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 that is it, it is a it is a first team selection that we we put out there. And we had our two most expensive and, and I think you'd probably say best players. Um, out on the pitch, and uh, you know, as, as I'm sure we'll come on to now, it was just a sadly um, predictable, just tactical failing and, and failing on lots of fronts. Yeah, I, I think there were several times during the game that I tweeted that I couldn't make out what the plan was. Um, we were attacking with tremendous width. It seemed like the plan was kind of the first play was always to get the ball wide. Um, you know, I kind of thought that the way they they had packed everyone in the middle of the field maybe forced us wide, but I also think it would have opened us up to the opportunity to really press them because they didn't have a lot of gifted technical players in their midfield. Um, and I think that would have given us some opportunities in transition. That's not really how it panned out. Paul, early on there was um, an incident that I think could have changed the game. And we've talked a lot about Gabrielle at times on this podcast. I I think he might be clinically insane. Man. Yeah, that's that's a red card <laughs> challenge. From the right? I mean, well, that's I just think it's it. interesting because we we talk a lot about the mental failings of the team and you know mental strength and do, do we have mental strength? And we saw what Coughlin did in the North London Derby. Gabriel arguably should have been sent off. What is the thinking there? I mean, is this a player who just doesn't have the control and the composure, or maybe feels like he's just out of his depth? Um. Bit, the old bit of both. I, I don't. I mean, I, I'd maybe modify the out of his depth. I think the reality is, is this is still all new to him and a lot for him. I think, you know, you mentioned Coquelin. I think it's another good example. Players like Coquelin and Gabriel, whose superpower is their athleticism, their kind of their tenaciousness, their physicality, physicality. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, I genuinely think this is the the players. You know, people get upset about this because they like to think the players don't care. Uh, this shit really is bothering them. The team's in a funk. They all, you know, they want to fight for the team. They want to fight for the manager. They want to fight for themselves. And certain players think they can do it on their own. And I think we saw that with Coquelin uh, a couple of games ago. I think Gabrielle's just. You know, they're, they're, they have the lack of composure, the inexperience to think that they can win. They're all hyped up. I mean, is, know, is that what's happening in front of goal too, right? Like they're trying to score three goals with every kick of the ball kind of thing? Well, El Nenny be a perfect example of a guy. You see, I think the problem with El Nenny is he's been watching the same YouTube video of him that I've been watching from the summer, smashing those in from 40 yards. Uh, and he thinks he can actually do that. Uh, but I think, you know, to be fair, he got himself into probably two of those three positions were really good. Uh, so I understand him having the go. But, yeah, I mean, one of them in particular, he snatched hard. The second, second, the one out to the right where he swung his leg over the bouncing half volley was going to be tough for anybody to get. But, I mean, he really shanked it. I think 
he's a perfect example of the third player. Maybe there's a fourth, but those would be the three best players of the uh, who I think are suffering from what I'm talking about. That that inexperience, that that athleticism, that can do it myself kind of thing. I can save this situation. I think the heart's in the right place, but maybe they're not ready for prime time. Not this prime time, anyway. It certainly doesn't seem like it. Um, one of the things that obviously is causing us a lot of problems, Julian, is, is finishing. Uh, we we sort of touched on El Nenny missing quite a few chances. Giroud now, I read a statistic, uh, is 0 for his last 29 shots at the Emirates. Um, and I think Sanchez is 1 for his last 30. I don't think that's going to win you quite a lot of games. Um, if memory serves, you score the goals to win. I think Michael Owen said that once. Um so strangely, so, uh, I know I said this before, and this is a question for G- Julian, but Giroud hasn't taken a lot of bad shots. He's just not getting – I think his lack of pace and mobility means he's taking shots from where he still has two, three defenders between him and the goal. We've seen him He had he, that – I mean, I can think of a few. I think there was that volley that he hit off the crossbar from about six, seven yards. But, I mean, the fact is we're not, we're not scoring when we're shooting, sure. and, and we are yeah. missing chances. Julian, do you think – I mean, are you prepared to – have a little sympathy for this as just bad luck and in a really, really, really bad shooting funk. What do you attribute the the lack of goals to? Because the the statistics now show this as being the I think the poorest ever goal return at this point in the season for an Arsene Wenger team. Sheesh. Um, luck, no. I think there's <laughs> easy answer. I think there's there's always something behind these, and yeah, I, I kind of think back a. A couple of years ago when we, of course, had that brilliant run uh, for the first half of the season and, and were still top in, in January. And and that team was not uh, a, an exceptionally good team, but it really did have balance and it had a plan in, in, until the injuries came. And then, again, everything completely imploded and we lost 6-0 to basically all the other top sides. Um, but earlier on, we had we had away games uh, in particular where we weren't actually we weren't piling forward. We it was the first season really is the whole season where we decided at least in you know for the for the first few months uh, before those um, big games we decided to sit back a bit more and to be a bit more composed and and patient. Uh, and in some of those we, we'd only have three or four chances a game and score two or three of them um, and at the moment there's uh, there's just I completely agree with Paul that this this is not a lack of fight a lack of spirit which is just a classic uh, re- response in these situations it's the default just, cliche response when uh, a big uh, club fails to win yeah ex- exactly it's I mean as if at the rest of the times these these you know millionaire kids just suddenly become bulldogs and then at other times they become a bunch of dossers I mean it's the it's you know it, it's it's ridiculous they're um, they don't change overnight, and, and I think there is a lot of frustration uh, in, in that squad, and you can unfortunately see it um, now and increasingly among some of the more talented players, uh, certainly the most talented player in our squad as well, is looking increasingly frustrated week, week by week, albeit in a sort of understated, shruggy way, which, which, uh, which sort of fits his idiosyncrasy. Julian, that shoulder charge into the back of was a prodal from uh, Ozil two thirds of the way through that game. M- Sorry, he, that again? he when he shoulder charged uh, that guy and was it prodal, prodal or whoever it was uh, in, in the back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I don't know. Uh, there, there were several. There were there was lots of off the ball arm waving and and gesticulations and and kind of you know exhaling. Um, because it it is, I mean, it must be just as frustrating uh, as it is for us, and and I think that's when you get the snapshots. That's when you get the the bad decisions, the poor link-ups, the you know the misplaced passes in the final third, and we we are missing chances. That's, that's that show it. It's undeniable, but we're also just not. Our link-up play in the final third is not what it should be, and the—I mean—I suppose that's 
that that was most starkly shown by the chance at the end with when Walcott laid it off to Welbeck and it was behind him and then he swivelled and, and, and then he snatched at it as well, a player who should be, who is in form and, and should be high on confidence because he scored goals recently, albeit, you know, including just five minutes before that point. Um, so really this is... Uh, I mean, again, like the. I remember when Giroud joined and, and Podolski, obviously, at the same time, and we went, what was it, three games without scoring at the beginning of the season? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember um, us and saying in the press conference, I think it was at Stoke, that, like, trust me, I know, I know how to get forwards to score like if it's one thing that I know I've spent 30 years or whatever on on training pitches I know how to teach them how to do that and at the moment it's the lack of of cohesion and purpose and and tempo and risk taking in the final third is just it reflects something else a manager always says just a real lack of confidence and and I think that stems from a, a lack of kind of you know, uh, comfort and, and certainty about what this team is. What is their purpose? How, you know, how should they be approaching games? How should they be breaking down a team that defends very deep and narrow like Watford? How should they then be taking that onto the next game, polar opposite game in Barcelona? How do they turn around this run of form? You, you just don't see any answers to those questions in, in the team, and I think I think that's reflecting a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, bad traits that we're seeing from them and it's one reason why I've been very reluctant to to pick out individuals for criticism during this run as well yeah I think one of the things that that is problematic right now is just that the the team doesn't seem to have an identity in how it's constructed or how it wants to play I mean the one thing you would have said about the Arsene Wenger era for many many years into the banter or poverty era, depending on how you remember it, um, is that it had an identity in the way that it played. And over the past few years, he tried the four one four one, and he, you know, four two three one and four three three, and you know, our, our our style and our our plan has really kind of become unidentifiable, especially in the way the team is constructed. Paul, um, there's a fair amount of dysfunction to the way we are playing, but. The first half, we probably did enough that we could have taken the lead and arguably won the game. The second half, we came out and fell behind, and it looked like the players were out on their feet when it happened. Is it just now that that it's like stones on a back, and this you know it every extra one now feels like a million pounds? I mean, when we fall behind now, the players look so deflated and so staggered. What did you see? in the period after they scored the goal? And why, why do you think the players are reacting that way? Yeah, I think we're very fra- fragile, I think. Um, they're kind of, they have their team talks. They have their, apparently they have their secret team meetings, not very secret. Um, they've, you know, they've had the great speeches. They've had the the heart, heart to hearts. They've come up with plans A, B, C, and D their best plans, nothing's worked. And so they go out all charged up again. Like you say, they did okay in the first half-ish. You know, lots of product, no end product. Yeah, well, they Uh, they really didn't have chances per se, and we had the chances from the positions where you'd expect to to finish one or two of them. Yeah, we particularly had a lot of joy to down the right, which isn't normal for us with Alexis on the field. Mm. It was kind of... A lot of happening down that side, but well, not a lot of That's because Joel Campbell is our best player at the moment. <laughs> and uh, to be fair to Chambers, who had a very mixed game, he, you know, I would say he played well at at certain times doing certain things, you know, getting down that right side. He, he looked pretty dangerous. Didn't look so good down the other end. And, and again, didn't have the composure to pick out somebody. Put in some nice crosses to nobody. But mm-hmm. the point in terms of fragility is they're kind of waiting for that, oh, shit, we went behind again moment, um, which is sad because, you know, we saw something in the North London Derby where we reacted differently. And there was a strength about that performance. Uh, and I guess so here's where I come down. Uh, I think there's a little bit of hope here. I think when... <laughs> Of right. course you do. Yeah, well, I got to. <laughs> you and your it's, stupid hope. <laughs> I got to pick out a couple of the nuggets that 
I think, give us some hope. Because there was some, we all saw it, there was something at the North London Derby, and we, we had every reason to crack there more than anywhere else. And we didn't. Um, we scored first, they scored two. It should have been an oh shit, here we go moment. But there was something about that team that looked around and saw the other 10 players on the pitch and said, fuck it, we can do this. Unfortunately, what, when they looked around that pitch yesterday at their 10 other compadres, they didn't think we can do this. And I, I don't know what's going on there. But So the Nuggets for me, what I thought worked well yesterday, and I won't get a lot of support on this, but Kokola Elneny, I think, was generally pretty effective. It was also Kokolan's most central midfielder type of game. He had the second most passes. And, he was, you know, I'm not claiming he was, uh, take your pick, Pirlo or Arteta. But him and Elneny are pretty good at rocking back and forward and moving the ball around. There was a little bit of hope there. Uh, the other hope is we could have, had we had Welbeck, you know, that's a reasonably exciting setup at the moment, but it seems yeah. to be the only one that gives us any belief with, our, you know, we need to have the full back four, uh, preferably with Czech, which we're not going to have for another month. You know, it's so, we're so fragile. If it isn't the, uh, and even that we're just crossing our fingers on that it might work a lot better, that the glimpse we saw once mm-hmm. might actually be real. If you could put our best 11 out and none of those guys get get injured, maybe maybe we can do maybe we can still play here. Maybe the 11 we put out against Barcelona might actually look at each other and say we can give this a good go. Okay. We'd have yeah. to Put, put so, down the drink, whatever it is, and I'm worried it might be. I'm holding on to something. something here because, because okay. otherwise, you know, what's uh, the point? Fair enough. Well, there's no real defense. As we're saying, it's just in a funk. Everything, nothing's. You know, yesterday was defeat number twenty-three off our Chinese menu. We've seen that kind of loss. <laughs> Actually, I don't think we have twenty-three different types of defeat. It was probably defeat number one with a, a menu, a very short menu of about four different kinds of defeat, but it was pretty classic Arsenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised Michu didn't score two yesterday. <laughs> um, well, well, let's do this. Paul and I are going to come back and go over some more incidents of the game uh, as we wrap up our talk after Julian leaves us. But Julian, I want to give you a chance to at least address what I think is really the topic on everybody's lips and fingers. Lips and fingers. Yuck. The Chinese um, <laughs> Uh, right now, which is really where we stand with the manager. And, and while nobody thinks that the man deserves any abuse and everybody has, well, I think s- sensible people and right-thinking people have respect for him, are you at the point where you feel you've seen what he can do at this stage of his career and that you're not expecting there to be any serious change or improvement and you you would welcome us moving in a new direction at this point? Or do you still have an optimism that he can find the right the right solution, the right formula. I mean, as you know, I, I've been a glorious fence sitter on this for for a long time. I, I am aware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's 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 a very good question. And with that, I mean, I, I you know, I, I've. As, as I, I would like to think still the vast majority of Arsenal fans have just enormous amount of respect for this man and, and, and also a lot of just feeling for him. I mean, he's, you know, he has been, he has been us. He's been our club for an awful long time uh, and just it, being a manager for that amount of time, I mean, being a Premier League manager at all, I, it must be um, incredibly demanding and it's almost funny in a sort of uh, cruel Roman kind of way to watch these people just collapse and just have their breakdowns uh, in front of us for our own amusement. And, and he, he's endured that kind of pressure for uh, for so, so long and, and often comes out on top, uh, comes out laughing. Can he emerge from this laughing? Um, I mean, I have to, I don't want to kind of have a, uh, a breakdown live on air, but this, <laughs> I, I've, I have felt... 
over the last, what is it now, like, um, it's, tw- it's only 24 hours, isn't it? It seems like a lot more, a lot uh, more than that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel I'm at a, I'm at a turning point with with regards to the manager. I mean, my, I know it's a cop out. My, my main thought is that it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we have, you no know, no changes we're, coming. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're owned by one person, so effectively, and two thirds of the club is 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 controlled by one person. So it's down to to him, not to us. Uh, but if um, if you were to put me, if we were to have a board which actually meant anything, and if if you were to put me on that board and say, right, which way do you vote? Um, what I'd be what I'd be leaning towards now would be the. Uh, the very polite, uh, quiet words, which which basically said, you know, we think it's we think it's time for for you to take the decision to stand down, um, and at, at the right point, uh, which would pretty much have to be this summer. I mean, I can't I can't really see the the, the point in in adding another year onto it. Um, I I don't think it's a it's a it's a problem having Arsene Wenger as our manager going forward in, in the sense of the team and that he's still a great manager. It will still be up there. We'll still be, you know, he produces good teams, buys good players. Well, what's the problem? Well, the, pro- the problem is we never get more than that. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, it can sound spoiled, but I actually don't think it is. Like, for, for my whole life supporting this club, I, you go into every season wanting to win the title. And, and that's been true... That was true in the in in our terrible period in in the mid 90s when we were finishing bottom half uh, at least once or was it twice we finished bottom half but um, even then we were picking up silverware and even then not, not you know um, the the turnaround didn't take too long and and you still kind of thought this was a club that can win the title and just the the lack of uh, you know, it's fans do want. You see this at lots of clubs where the, the owners are often sort of slow and steady. But and and I think fans recognise that. And we don't want stupidity. We don't want Peter Risdale type stuff. But you do want some aspiration. You you you, you want to see that. And um uh, and just such uh, you know after 12 years, it's not a short period of time. And looking at the whole history of the game, 12 years. The uh, having such such uh, a straightforward chance to win the league uh, and putting in this performance is is absolutely staggering. And I suppose the to, to sum up for me the situation with 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 Arsene Wenger is that I, I've always well, for a long time now I've kind of said well he's you know he's a lot better than his critics think and when people predict doom and gloom for Arsenal we we all, we always tend to uh, to bounce back and to you know I mean for a long time people were predicting us finishing sixth seventh eighth we always managed top four he held shit together you know won us two cups it, yeah that that fight is is incredible but to to just have uh, to just basically be uh, incapable. I, I mean, I, I didn't think he 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 was really a title-winning manager anymore. I have to say, but the reason I didn't think that was because I, I assumed you had to get 80 points to win a title these days. I just assumed that would be the case every single season. So I thought, well, Wenger's a great manager, but he's probably going to keep ending up on 77, 78 points, maybe 80, and then someone else will get 83, and, and we won't win it. So to have a season where you could win it on what 75. And then, and then to to completely uh, fail to do that is well, uh, and to have it be done to be, have it be done by clubs that don't have superior resources to us either. It's not a Chelsea or a City or a United doing it. Yeah, of course. I mean, this this has shown this season has, has shown that you can um, you know you, you you can outperform your resources sometimes and or uh, at least at least at least be on par and. The you know let's not forget that we're not second either. We're not. It's not one team with less money ahead of us. There's there's 
there's another unmentionable team uh, <laughs> who, who somehow are above us in the title. And I think for me, that's the turn of foot. Like, I, I was kind of more... Uh, I, I agreed about Wenger's abilities with lots of his critics. The difference is I, didn't, I thought I was willing to put up with that, basically. I thought, on balance, it's still fine. It's okay. And, and now he's... Whereas he always matched my expectations, he's, he's now you know, coming well short, basically. I mean, Sunday, uh, Sunday was, was horrific, was absolutely horrific. And I just, I just have no way of explaining it uh, as a fan or, or as someone who, um, who, who has a, a, a lot of, a lot of admiration and respect for Arsene Wenger. I just can't, I can't, I can't you know, uh, point towards any excuses for that performance or indeed the last three months. Yeah, I I think what happened to me slowly over time is it had started to pop into the back of my mind that maybe he's not at the top level of the game anymore, but I was eager to watch and see him prove me wrong, and it's not happening, um, and and that's hard because I, I what I want is for him to just go out on top and prove me totally wrong and see him at the top of the game again, but I increasingly feel there's no evidence to support that happening. I'll, I'll let you go just with this. I mean, here's the way I would think of it. If he stays this summer, can you envision a scenario where he learns from this season, sees the changes that needs to be made, makes them, and takes the step up to the top of the ladder next season? No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah, and right. and that's that's the problem because if your answer to that is no, I really I just can't see that. Then the question becomes, what is the benefit of continuing with the project? Because change is coming. If it doesn't come this summer, it's coming sometime, and sometimes it's best to just rip the bandaid off. Um, Julian, I know you had a hard stop, and we went a little bit by it. I blame you, um, <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming on and for getting off the fence and finally holding up the <laughs> thanks for the memories banner. Um, I'm oh, kidding. God. Of course, it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but you know what? If you want to come back on after we knock Barcelona out on Wednesday to apologize profusely, we'd be happy to have you back. I'll, I'll do that. It'll be great. And then, oh, and then I'll yeah. see you in the final. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Sounds good. All right, man. We really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you both. Bye, Bye Julian. Julian. Cheers. All right. That was Julian trying to say cheers who I cut off, but Paul is still here. Yeah. What a um, quitter. Yeah. Well, I was going to tell Julian that your plan now is to ransack all his opinions because I know you are the last man defending that wall for, for Arsene Wenger. I'm going to give you a shot at the Arsene Wenger thing in a minute, but oh, before God. I want to go back to the game for a second because there are a couple incidents. We we talk about the game having stanzas a lot on this podcast because I don't know we're musicians or we just like the word. This one was weird. It was like a game of two halves. And a little bit of a half, because it was the first half where we played okay, it was a little disjointed, but we, we had chances. The second half where we played like absolute monstrous horse shit, and then the second half last five minutes when we could have won three games. Um, other than the substitutions, and I thought the substitutions were a little weird, because they were basically like for like and didn't change the system— but Welbeck came on and made a big, big difference, and he scored a goal from a brilliant Ozil assist and probably should have scored another. Mm. Why did it take so long? Because then we really started to pound them and really started to press them and really got into it when we got that goal. Why do you think the players weren't able to lift themselves until so late in the match? I don't know. Um, I mean, All right, moving on. <laughs> it's definitely the last 20 minutes thing, the last 10 minutes. I mean, you know, the super sub comes on and looks brilliant. Then you start him from the start of the next game, and he's just like another forward. But that being said, the super sub is Danny Welbeck, and he's not really containable by defenses. He, he mightn't score. He looks very explosive right now. He really yeah. does. I mean, he's a, he's a stud. I mean, he's just... It's he's also a, worth noting he's he's fresh, right? I mean, you yep. look at you look at a player who isn't fresh like yep. Alexis Sanchez, and you see the difference in a guy like Welbeck who hadn't played football for a year. Yeah, I mean, right. Let me go back to uh, I know nobody's in the mood for optimism, and I have none. Right? I've I'm just trying to dredge something up. But you put Bring Bellerin it. and Monreal and Kishelny out there with. I know we're not very high on Per at the moment. Coquelin, El Nenny, Ozil, uh, Welbeck, Sanchez, and Campbell, who seems to be doing a pretty good job. 
we might be okay again. I know it's a long shot. I know. But what is it? All right. So, so let me stop you though, right? Oh, okay again to what end, right? Because we're we're not going to get past Barcelona. I think we're prepared to acknowledge that. No. I mean, I, but I we get... do we do need a performance, and to not and not just a seventy minute performance. I don't know if we can get that. Well, but, let me ask you this: what, yeah. what is? Let's just say for a second that the title is beyond us. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time of recording this, it was halftime at Leicester Newcastle, which was one nil. Uh, yeah. Leicester, and let's say they yeah. go on to win that, and they're eleven clear, but we'd have a game in hand. Let's say the title's gone. What what is the rest of the season about? I mean, this could be arguably Arsene Wenger's trickiest couple of months as a manager because he yep. has to find a way to lift the team so that they don't go completely in the tank. What what are we working towards now? Is it really just to get a glimmer for next season now? Oh, I, I think uh, it, unfortunately that's a great question, and I think <laughs> I one... wish I wish it wasn't. Uh, uh, Apposite? Yeah. Ap- uh, don't. Hang on. I'll get I Just let me dredge my memory banks. Yes, apposite. Okay. Apposite. Um, apposite? All right. I, so, I mean, it's a hell of a question. I don't know that there's any kind of answer to it because I don't know that it's about next year because that obviously not only raises the you know, who's, what's the elephant in the room and what's he doing on a bicycle wearing a tutu and why is he playing a trumpet and, we, and what an extrovert elephant it is. You know, it's, it's a huge question at that point. What, with all those weeks to go, I think it would be so damaging. Now, the only saving grace to that situation, if you want to ad- avoid that, is if we start winning a few games, which seems highly improbable at the moment. I mean, you need some belief, some momentum, and we have none. Um, but for uh, one evening and one evening only against Tottenham in the NLD, there were glimpses of of possibilities. What could I have been? I mean, What could have been? Maybe yeah. they can recapture. I don't know how. Maybe they can recapture that. They could get basically the same team out without Ramsey. Um, Which again, is sort of a, bi- a big change, but <laughs> it is a big change. Uh, but it also solves, a, you know, if trying to find positives wherever I can. If the answer was going to be Coquelin El Nenny, I don't know if it was, and if that's the best pairing. But if it was, it certainly makes that problem very simple. There's our midfield for the foreseeable: Campbell yeah. on the right, maybe, or Walcott, depending on who the opposition is, or Welbeck if Giroud's in the middle. But far prefer. I mean, you can just see the interesting thing for me yesterday was all the attacking going down the right when it's normally going down the left. It, to me, it's a function of the fact we know that Giro and Alexis doesn't really work. It's very static, and defenses can set up against it. And when Alexis cuts inside, he cuts inside to where they're already defending Giro and are already packing the center. And it's just mm-hmm. like doubling down in an area that the, the the Napoleon would say the defenses are lined up against him. There, you don't you know you don't attack there. You cut them <laughs> down the middle, or you go around the side, or you come around. For, we went I thought we could. Have, I thought we could have pressed. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't see yeah. a lot of creative talent in their team. The thing that was yeah. sta- astounding to me is how easily they were able to make one pass and be in in yeah. on our back four one on one or two on one. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we had shifted a lot of resources out wide, yeah. and then they just literally played long ball up to their to Dini or or Igalu, yeah. and and they Those were two isolated. Backs do not know how to play a high line together. No, they they don't. I mean, Gabriel. I think Gabriel is a guy who uh, the jury was still out for me, and I think a lot of people because we always, when we have a new player, really want to rush to judge them well. Because if yeah. we judge them well, then there's hope for the future. But he looks like a guy who has a lot of work still to do. Um, but while the what, jury was out, you nipped into the sheriff's jail and uh, tried to ju- rope judge his neck and, yeah, hung, and him hung him. him. <laughs> <laughs> Judged him guilty. Um, <laughs> Uh, one thing, you know, we, we talk about the value of Petr Cech and, and his absence coming back to haunt us at some point. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it just because most of the conversation after the game was about how the sky is falling. But could this one be on Ospina? I mean, I, I think I, the second goal ended the game. And I, I believe, having watched it seven or 18 times, um, that he's he's got to do better on the second goal. No? 
It's one of, I so here's my take on it. No, uh, I understand where you come. from. Is it from. just because he's short? I mean, like I think <laughs> no. I think Petter. No, but really, like Petter Check gets a hand on that because uh, Ospina has to move more to cover the area where that ball goes in because he's yeah. small. I, I hear where you come from, and some people. The more I watch it, the more I think that. But I think that's only because you watch it from angles, and the, maybe there's a bit of slow motion on half of them. And that dilutes how you see. The first time I saw it, I said, "Oh fuck!" I mean, it just—it's. I mean, it's a, a thunder bastard. He it, hits it hard, it but he a hits it hard. Not, not far from where the goalkeeper's standing into his near post. And I mean, you know, they say you shouldn't get beaten at the near post. I think that's that's kind of a cliche. If the ball's yes. going ten thousand miles an hour, it'll go through you at the near post. But. Um, I just, I just felt he could do a little better. And Let, let's put it another way: it's not, it would not be the worst goalkeeping miss ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, from that standpoint, we could save ourselves a lot. I don't think that'll be why we don't win the the league. Ospina might be, okay. but that ha- level of of saving and goalkeeping wouldn't be what cost us the league. I uh, mean, it, it it really does seem to be that composure and composure in the key moment is a problem. And I, I think that mm. we've seen that all over the pitch. We saw it, we saw it from Coughlin in the North London Derby. We saw it from Gabrielle, although he was fortunate to stay on the pitch. I mean, he was really at fault for the first goal, right? I mean, I know yeah. that someone's got to jump and get in the way of that long throw, but he gets way too tight and turned way too easily for the Premier League. I mean, that is that is the defending of someone who is not at the top level of the game, right? Yeah, and he's he's got done like that before yeah i um, can't remember the game but there was a nearly yeah. identical game I, that I can, turned you know like that. i mean i don't always spot it at the time but i can remember the common uh, the football co-commentator saying something like he's gotten too close to his man and got turned there and that's certainly what happened yes yeah, so yeah. adrian clark was a bit more forgiving of of him on the breakdown so you know i don't know uh but certainly he got done um I- I think the, the the reality, though, you know, my point about composure is it's not just at the back then. I mean, Danny yes. Welbeck scores a quite brilliant goal from a great Mesodosal assist, and then when the goal is there to get a replay, yeah. he he kind of snaps at it. Um, the, so when Gibbs pulls it back to him, I do think it wasn't the greatest pullback. It was a great idea, a and it was the perfect ball. It was too far behind him. I kind of, you know, a... A more brilliant striker might have got that one on target, but I'm not going to ask him to be something he was never going to be. And then when he spins around the other way, he again, you know, you think Aguero would have got that, you know, inside the post. But it, you really have to wrap your foot around it from that angle. You do. Um, but but th- we yeah. saw this so many times again. Composure. Talk about Callum yeah. Chambers. There was a time when yeah. Callum Chambers was sent in by a beautiful Joel Campbell through ball into the box, totally unmarked. And instead of taking that extra touch, catching his breath, spotting the guy he wants to play in and playing it to him, he just fired it across the box at no one. Yeah. Um, I, I and, do, so uh, and on that, I think composure is a big thing. I think belief a game plan that people believe in kind of it all in some way plays together. You get better, more composure, the better you're playing, the more you believe, the more the plan's working. And I think that's why these things are so hard to fix. The kind of virtuous spiral becomes the vicious spiral and it's tough for a manager to bring it back up. And I, you know, momentum, belief, confidence, but I do kind of related to that point, but my biggest bugbear at the moment is the way we play we you know in the end we learn we lack quality in the final third um you could argue we lack quality in each area that defense when we have all our players available is is pretty darn good the midfield this new midfield maybe can 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 crank but without Cazorla that little happy accident in midfield we mm-hmm. haven't had a good midfield we haven't had a great midfield and i think you you and i and and tim were talking on whatsapp about this i mean it does amaze me that the one thing arson doesn't make sure of he has every year you know if if i were arson and i liked what i like and i had the money i had i'd make sure i had one fucking great midfield because that's what floats my boat and then you get to the final third and there's just a consistent lack of quality all year I mean, Alexis, I guess, is world-class. You know what frustrates me about what you're saying, though? 
We yeah. could be having that conversation last August. I don't think that's far from what the projections were of where the weakness would be. Um, yeah, I think I Tim has written on this and others have as well. It's hard to look at the construction of this team and understand what the plan was. And yeah. I just don't know that there was much of one. I think the fact that, you know, Joel Campbell, Francis Coughlin, Mohamed Elneny are not just players that are in the team, but important to the team right now signals that there's a lot of accidents happening at the Arsenal camp, not a lot of planning. Because I yeah. don't think in the last 24 months any of those players would have been guys the manager would point to and say, these are players that I intend to be very important to my squad the way I'm building it. Um, yeah. and, and they're not, and you don't get the feel, not only maybe that they're not of the quality, the, the, the top level quality, but even that they fit a particular template in the manager's mind they're kind of that you know i could get it if he was throwing a lot of happy accidents of the brilliant genius variety at it oh yeah sure if you're choosing between you know messi suarez neymar you know, yeah let's, of course let, let's see how they combine together into some happy formations it, it might just work out it might just work out you, you, you know throw all that brilliance out there and let them paint uh you know a masterpiece but you're throwing out pretty good very good, and maybe occasionally one of them, will, one or two of them, will turn into great players. But you know, you don't bet the, you can't the, house, bet the, on the that. house on that. Um, or the season. Well, yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, Barcelona may have MSN, uh, but we have SJW, which is not social justice warrior. It's Sanchez, Joel Campbell, Danny Welbeck. Um, okay, good. And <laughs> and uh, and we've got them facing each other uh, midweek this week. So I want to end on the Arsene Wenger topic just briefly with you. But before we get to it, I don't think we expect to recover the tie against Barcelona. How important is it that this doesn't devolve into an 8-2 type beating given the the circumstances surrounding the team, the manager, and, and the support right now? Uh, I mean... Oddly, it's turned this into a must-perform tie. Where yeah, we, we don't have to win it, but but we have to avoid embarrassment, right? Yeah, we you know we almost have to win it because <laughs> I don't know what the option you know you know what would be they beat us we draw I guess if they just I guess well they look I think I think if we us. lost three two or two one or we yeah. even got a one one draw so I can come out of it and say. Now, there's a performance you can hang your hat on, sort of, but yeah. my my concern is, are yeah. we headed for the kind of buzzsaw that can cut right through a club? Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and and how do you expect us to react? Like, you know, like balsa wood or like stone? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think uh, I'll be shitting myself. I think we're in trouble. But, but hey, that's what Swartz about. And if we play our best 11 which we now have to i don't see an option yeah there, to... there are a lot of people who believe it would be insane not to rotate for barcelona but i i just think under the circumstances and given that the league may be gone you do yourself a lot more damage by saying to guys like mesodozo and alexis sanchez here have a seat on the bench next to me at the new camp don't go out and play and watch guys like alex awobi take a a serious beating at the hands of a very, very good team. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I don't think, honestly, I don't think Ozil and Sanchez would stand for it. I know it's not their call. No, I agree with you. But guess what? They get a vote in the long term. I think they'd have a fucking meltdown. Uh, the And the other way they'd have a bit of a meltdown, and I don't blame them, would be if you sent them out there with the wrong other nine. So... You know, from the manager's standpoint, he could second guess himself every way. Anyway, the easiest way to resolve it is to say, "Fuck it, we go and we go again." We're going to send out our best eleven against Barcelona. Cross our fingers, get a performance, come out of that. Maybe what they come out of it is some mojo and a game plan that works, and go with that to Everton. Because otherwise, you go to Everton without a game plan that works, no belief, no nothing. Having waved the white flag, no, I I agree with this. Got roasted. You know, I mean, may, maybe you find some reserve of character and quality on Wednesday that buoys you for the rest of the season. I mean, yeah. The alternative, the alternative is just a pointless beating. Yeah, maybe. Kamala, but you know what? The El Nelly, El Nenny, 
and Co. with Welbeck up front, with Sanchez on the left, with Campbell on the right. Maybe it'll click. I'm not saying we'll beat Barcelona, but maybe a way of playing will evolve to some degree. Of course, Barcelona aren't going to give us a lot of chance to play, but maybe yeah. through all of that, we'll come out of that with our heads held high and go to Everton and... The the, the problem the now is the season, with the season looking like it's headed towards petering out, keeping the players focused and fired up enough so that, that well, first of all, we don't drop out of the top four, which I don't anticipate happening, but so that this this doesn't get really, really bad. I mean, at some level, you can see this having reverberations through the club where it just becomes... It yeah. becomes painful for everyone. The players don't want to be there. And, Ugly. you know, the, the manager's not going to get hounded out of the club by the fans. I think we know that. Um, so let's talk about the manager a little bit. And, you know, it must be hard from today seeing Watford draw Crystal Palace, knowing that he, you know, beats Palace. He's back in the FA Cup final, and that's not, not to be. I he think consoled himself with the butterfly effect, though. Great. Yeah. Look at the butterfly flaps its wings and something happens. And, and we would have drawn the other guys. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Um, but it, it is now, you know, a situation, and Stan Kroenke did the rare thing and actually spoke this week at a sports business conference, I believe. And one of the things he says, we have an excellent manager at Arsenal. He's an economist, and he runs the club responsibly. <laughs> I don't think he did Arsene Wenger any, or himself any favors with that comment. Um, I know you adore Arsene Wenger, and, and I adore him as a man and manager. But I wouldn't mind eating crisps out of his knickers. Yeah, all right, there you go, exactly. Uh, that's horrifying. <laughs> but the question now is, and I think it's the one that I posed to Julian, because the right one, well, we're not going to win anything this season. The goal is to win the league and the Champions League. The FA Cup is wonderful, but clubs our stature are built around trying to win the league and the Champions League. So my question to you is, can you envision a scenario where the manager takes what's happened this season on board, learns some kind of meaningful lessons, and both tactically and in recruitment makes the necessary changes to get us one of those two, or at least challenge for one of those two milestone trophies next season. Mm. So some quick thoughts on that. The quick, so the quick answer is very easy. No, I can't really envisage it. However... Were he to enlist me as a PR consultant, I would sit him down and say, Arson, you've got to get out there at the start of the summer transfer window. You've got to go in front of the fans and say, and do a mea culpa and say you've been wrong and say where you've been wrong. And maybe that would be a good process for him. And then say, ask for one more year. And then you got to go out and spend some money on the kinds of players and take some risks. Because guess what? If you don't spend that hundred million or what, or sixty-seven, or but I bet if Arson asked for a hundred million, he'd get a hundred million. You know, whatever transfer, whatever's funds. in the in the yeah in the budget exactly. I mean, there's well, there's clearly some funds earmarked. Honest, I mm-hmm. bet there's more than that if he ever wanted to ask for it. But they give him a budget, knowing he won't even use that. Yeah. Possibly. So anyway, uh, you know, I'd sit down and say, Arson, go big, get the players you've always wanted. And, you know, if at the end of that one year it's going fucking great and people can see it and people want more and we're playing the way we used to play when we played the best football in the world or thereabouts, guess what? People won't want him to go. You know, politicians do this all the time. Charles Hawhey, Irish prime minister, uh, announced that he was going to resign to the inner circle on a Tuesday, shows up to the press conference on the Wednesday, and it, everybody's assembled. And guess what? He doesn't resign. He starts talking about his future plans. That's <laughs> clever. Throws everybody. It's like the balls of that guy. Now, I'm not saying that Arson should pull the wool over everybody's eyes. I'm saying that's what I would want him to do. That's what I would advise him to do. And to really go, have a go at it one more, I think the fans would give him one more. Would be delighted to give him one year, one more year. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. If he some said right some would yes, and they knew that he got it. The problem is, Paul. I don't think he could say the right things. I think he'd have to I do agree. them because because no, no, I no. think no, 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 no. You you misunderstood me. I'm not saying say them and don't do them. I don't say the man do them. I know what you mean, but what I'm saying is, I don't know if he came out. Let's say at the end of the season, say. 
You know, I, I think there are some things we could have done better this season. I think when it comes to recruitment, we probably need to use our resources more, and we intend to do that this summer. And we're going to look at, you know, um, how we rotate our squad and keep players fit so that next season injuries don't derail us and we have the strength of squad we need to challenge for every major trophy. It'd be great to hear, but and I don't I, think I people— I would like would... one more season. Yeah, uh, and, and by the, the way, key piece of it. I'd probably Very... grant him that too. I'm just saying I don't think people would believe it until— August when the resources yeah, had been spent spend because the worry would be, look, old dogs, new tricks kind of thing. He says it. He even means it in his heart. But then he goes into the transfer sure. market and he can't pull the trigger on the $52 million striker and he can't pull the trigger on the $32 million central midfielder because it feels like too much money for him. And it's kind of redux. I, you know, I, I don't. I have sympathy for him. Let, let me just say this real quick. That is just my scenario for how he could turn yes. it around yes. and how it would work. To, in, in the sense of one more good year, him and us, um, if he followed through on it. But I agree. The, All your reservations, I agree with. The, the one area where I have tremendous sympathy for Arsene Wenger, if this is the case, it may well be that he adores this club so much that he's, he's said to himself, look, I've got one or two more seasons here. That's really the most I have. Then it's going to be a new manager, and that's going to be challenging for them, especially with the economic climate and football and the amount of money some of these clubs have. I'm not going to use it all up before they come in. I'm going to leave them 150 million pounds so they can reshape the club in their image. You know, yeah. when they come in, um, I don't know if he's. I've heard that, that theory. Guy. I don't. Really, I don't know that I give it a lot human of credence. Level, it, it, it sounds best, great. But... The best thing you can do is to leave the guy a winning record and a winning squad. Spend the fucking money if well, if you think yeah, you know how to spend it better than the other guy. And who doesn't think they know how to spend it better than the other guy? Great point. Very, very good point. Well, here's what I will say. Um, I think that it's going to be challenging. If the season ended yesterday, I think it'd be challenging for Arsene Wenger to stay. I think that a run of good results that gets us near, if not to the title, because I think that's gone, and ends the season on something of a high, buys him, and it sounds terrible to have to say Arsene Wenger has to buy himself, but buys him another summer to invest and have a go at it again. Um, I personally do not think, you know, and, and look, I'm getting older. You know, I'm, I'm not in my 20s anymore. And the thing I notice is like there are young people with new ideas who have an approach to my business and the things I do that sometimes I say, wow, I never would have thought of that. That's revolutionary. That's interesting. They, they understand something at a level that I don't anymore. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I just hit 40, right? Which is not old, but it's, it's, I'm not the young Turk anymore. And for Arsene Wenger at the age he's at, it's not unreasonable to say that there may be new ideas in football, just like he was revolutionary and brought new ideas to English football. And that some of those new ideas, and I'm not just talking about spending, but tactically and how to approach squad building and, and how to set your team out for different games that he just may not be as comfortable with. They might, they might not be his natural fluent language of the game. Um, I agree with that he and could that, have that's not a criticism of him. those skills with a good right hand man. That's what Ferguson did. See what kept Ferguson, what Ferguson at the top did. of the game is he changed yeah. his backroom staff. He let them take the training sessions. He, you know, it, everybody says Fer, Ferguson had the same kind of authority at United that Arsene Wenger did, but it was different. He yeah. was a dictator at, at at United, but he delegated responsibilities yeah. to others, which Wenger does not do. Yeah. Um, and maybe. Maybe that's doing him a disservice. Anyway, we got a, a game on Wednesday that hopefully will not be an embarrassment to the players, the manager of the club, and we'll be back to talk about it afterwards. Um, I know this was a little disjointed because Julian couldn't join us for the whole conversation, but I want to thank him again. And if you missed it, Julian is gingers for limpar on Twitter, where the four is the number four, not the word four, uh, where the word gingers is gingers and the word limpar is limpar and the number four is number and I, I can't express this any more clearly than I have. And we want to thank him for joining us. And Paul is pausing in my pants. You know that already. Please follow him. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure. Uh, just four words. We got to catch Spurs. I think yeah. that'll pull us all together. Give You know what? You catch Spurs, you're kind of sort of in the title. So while I agree we're, we're kind of... Fucked on the we need title. something to celebrate at the end of this season. And if it's St. Totteringham's Day, that's still something that's meaningful yeah. to some of the fans. Some yeah. might say that's a small club mentality, but I agree. That's about the crumbs of what's left for us to chase. And you never know. So let's, yeah. let's focus on something we could believe in. We can't believe in that other thing right now. But huh. us, the team, the manager, 
the supporters, everybody. Focus on catching Spurs, and you never fucking know what might be around the corner. Yeah, anyway, that'll that's work. It. Um, okay, well, thanks, Paul. Uh, and my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, I want to thank the people that have reviewed the podcast on iTunes because it seems people are taking the the word, the gospel is reaching the people, and you're giving it five-star reviews and writing your nasty comments under the five stars. <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant. It's you know, it's the best way to do it. The, the, system, the system gives you that option to give five stars, and then people say, Express oh, a five-star review. Yeah. I want to read that because yeah. that must be an enthusiastic review, and then you can vent all your bile. <laughs> um, but, but all kidding aside, um, I do want to thank the people who have left reviews, and we really appreciate it. We know audio quality isn't always our, our strength. Um, nor is content or opinion or communication or execution, but the other stuff we do really well. And thanks for noticing. Uh, we'll be back to talk to you after bars. <laughs> okay. Until then, cheers. Bye. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. In the latest episode of History This Week, we take a closer look at a failed insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building in 1861, when the nation was on the cusp of a civil war. Nearly 160 years later, what can we learn from this moment when democracy was challenged? And check out all our episodes this month as History This Week celebrates Black History Month. Last week, we covered the Greensboro sit-ins that sparked a media firestorm and inspired mass sit-ins across the country. Next week, we travel to Australia and witness Sydney students taking a freedom ride of their own for Aboriginal civil rights. After that, we'll be exploring the origins of jazz. For these stories and more, subscribe to History This Week wherever you listen to podcasts. A cash recommends.